Let me get a drink. Okay. Go on. Gentlemen? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll meet you inside. Okay. I'll meet you inside. Okay. Okay. Shit. Boner! You got a boner! Brennan's got a boner! <laughs> Welcome to the uh, romantic edition of Marcus Played. This is uh, Marcus Played. If it was, if we were in February, it'd be the Valentine's Day edition here. Because I do think this actually is going to fit the way it should drop. Um, if we keep up with our our weekly schedule, this will be post Labor Day. <clears throat> so okay. it's total total accident, but it does have that. The movie has that end of summer vibe you know the, okay when, so you know like uh going back to real life which i guess doesn't really apply as much in 2020 with what's going on but uh <laughs> the late 80s you know when things were not so bleak um i guess this one surprised me hiro like I, i'm interested in there's a little bit of an age difference between you and i but i had watched this before and this one you know it sits in a time period that i'm not beholden to as far as my coming of age years uh, obviously, uh, right. so I don't know if it is for you, no, uh, specifically. Okay, so it's not the 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 late eighties time period here. No, I think so. We're talking about like love at first sight movies, and I have you know I talked about it last week about how this movie like immediately grabbed me and ran up my uh, personal charts. Um, I don't know, maybe just it, it, it's well the sappy side of me that really liked. Uh, I like the underdog sort of winning the fight here um can't buy me love yes uh kind of a return to you have an affinity for dorks for like the revenge of the nerds not the the film proper i've never seen that uh, i'm sure that hasn't aged well but you know that the they get their day in the sun with uh i guess an attractive young young lady although i appreciate yeah. that uh um Kristen Stewart, uh, very much fitting her kind of, at least her persona uh, at the time where, you know, I don't, I don't think she's like seen as like, by any means, like the popular girl. She's also one of the misfits, uh, and doesn't quite fit in, but she's, what I like about the film is she's still attractive and that makes her even more attractive (laughs) to a fellow misfit that you have someone that, you know, likes the same music as you kind of has the same sense of humor. Um, yeah, this was like okay. I'll, I'll just out myself here. My my podcast. Let's just get out of the way. Okay. My podcast is myself. Is one of what? my other shows. Yeah. What is this? And I'll tell you why. Because this is completely rule breaking. I I don't if think we so. have rules. This is the bylaws have been broken here. I you know I'm just trying to give people the best of what's out there, and they the better best, be sober cinema. That's for sure. No, the best episode of. Uh, Adventureland is over on projecting film because <laughs> this is where this conversation happened between you and I initially. Like, Adventureland, honestly, like instead of like Days Confused, is probably like trying to be like the uh, <laughs> like the Blink One Eighty Two version of Clerks. It's trying to like be like the here's the one for like the twelve and thirteen year olds. If you're not quite comfortable <laughs> with them, you know, getting the uh, the, the snowball uh, speech from Clerks. 
throwing Adventureland because it's you know it's it's in that vein. It's it's in that vein. You you have a couple of boner jokes, which I was definitely surprised. Handled that totally wrong, dude. You just like I'm watching this with my wife, and I'm like, well, all right, here's what I do because you know I've been in those type of situations before. And what I would you know if I'm invited into a pool, and I know it's a movie, so they compress time, but it feels like they're in there for two seconds, and then Kristen Stewart's like, all right, this guy's getting a little too handsy. Uh, I'm gonna go get a beer. You want to get a beer? If if you're in that state, Eisenberg, and your tidy whities. She's like, no, we just, I just got in the pool. I'm just going to hang out here for a minute. Like, you know, just come back out and we'll talk. What you do not do is immediately try to walk <laughs> out with it. <laughs> and the funny thing is in the, the scene after when he's caught, like, um, I guess she doesn't catch him, but it's during the like, hey, you've got cool records. There's a replacement. It's a big star. Uh, the way the towel was positioned, my wife thought they were going like full on like Fairly Brothers and thought he was just like walking around with it still, like just walking around. <laughs> That probably would have improved the movie if you're like, dude, this I think guy. that would have taken you. You could have at that point possibly capitalized on the super bad tag and it would mm-hmm. have made sense if he would have just from then on had a boner for the next reel of the film. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been up until the scene where they're making out with the parents. He was on a boner from in front of when the parents come home. Well, I mean, if it would have gone from then to then. On board. Uh, imagine, you know, when the townie's pulling a knife on him over a stupid, like, teddy bear. <laughs> if the dude's are rocking a boner behind there, you're not going to take yourself or your child around that, that maniac. <laughs> That's what the world needs. Clearly, in this day and age, when we're talking about, yeah, maybe Days and Confuse not going to work out that well. Me and you are positing that you use your erection <laughs> as a tool of so defense. <laughs> I think we, we got it. in yet another film. Mm-hmm. I think we solved why this was not the hit, the little <laughs> cult classic it was supposed to be. More boners. <laughs> you introduced the boner, and so it has to stay in the rest of the film. Because we did a 10-year anniversary. It was just one of those random, like, hey, it's been 10 years since Adventureland. Uh, and I make fun of Maynard for being older than me. Uh, and I thought, like, oh, he, he probably loves this movie. And, in fact, he had never seen it. He only watched it for the podcast. So on projecting film, our premise was, hey, on the 10-year anniversary of this film, this seems like something that should be like a newer Dazed and Confused. Why is it not? Like, what is it about? Is it the actors, the time period? Like, I'm not saying this film is like hated by any means, but it's not entered into the pop culture lexicon like a Dazed and Confused. And we actually just spent the show... Trying to figure it out, like watching it with that sort of, you know, that time passing. Um, and I just admitted up front that I watched it at the behest of uh, a friend of mine who loved it. He had the love at first sight reaction. He saw it at a dollar movie theater um, and was telling me, like, dude, before this, like, who is the genius of a friend of yours? <sighs> you know what? <laughs> I have to admit, he'll never listen to this. I've not spoken to him in years, but. Um, I admittedly ignored his like, Hey, please go see this for at least the dollar movies. You'll love it. He even was using the replacements on me. You know, he knew I was a big fan of that band. They opened with the replacements. It's set in the eighties. None of that worked because this guy was very, the hair, the mannerisms, his place in the world was very close to Jesse Eisenberg in Adventureland. You monster. So him, (laughs) (laughs) look, he's, he's a smart guy. Uh, he had good taste in music like this guy, you know, but he just, you you can understand my point of view, right? 
a guy who seems a lot like Jesse Eisenberg telling me a movie that he gets to bang Kristen Stewart and it was really touching to him and it's actually really good. I should check it out. I can't really if I put myself in a movie, if I wrote myself into a movie and I had (laughs) Sofia Vergara and uh, Scarlett Johansson as my love interests. I I can't, I can't necessarily take that person at their word that it's actually going to work for me, but I've caught up with it on video and I like it. I own a copy of it. You know, not that it's in our, our fans, but I've got it right here. I've got the Blu-ray edition. Um, So I liked it, but even having liked it, it didn't move the needle enough for me where I kind of agree, I guess, with the general populace that it, it, it didn't become the cult classic that it seemed designed to be. So, it, but it, it worked for you. So I just want to, I'm ceding the floor to you. What, what is about this that made this love for sight? Cause credit to you, you do not look like Jesse Eisenberg and you don't tend to have his mannerisms. You're more of a, uh, a Tom Slicemore in keeping with the continent. Oh, the show. there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All we need is a celeb jihad drop in here, and then uh, we, we have uh, hit the quota. But uh, there you go. Um, I tried to put my finger on it. I watch it very, very often. Uh, I watch it multiple times a year. This is one of those movies. I have like a series of films that I will put on at night if because I had to like slow my brain down a little bit. I've seen it so many times. It's it's nice, it's sweet, and I can just calm my body down, calm my mind down. I, it has become sort of that thing for me. I've got like a handful of movies that does this because you don't want something too loud. You don't want something too like uh, riveting or whatever it is. This is just like a comfort movie, fo- uh, comfort food. You know, it's very much yeah. that for me. Um, I, and the funny thing about this movie is it's filled with people that I really dislike. You know, Jesse Eisenberg, obviously. <laughs> Which is usually uh, the opposite of comfort food, right? You go right. the old staples. Exactly. And then you've got Kristen Stewart, who at the time was very... She's probably a little bit closer to her Twilight time frame, where... She's kind of polarizing was, then. Not just polarizing, but in her acting, she hadn't quite developed. So she was still the doing, Clooney, like, the breathy thing. head nod type stuff that you... Yeah. Yeah. Hate. So she, yeah. she really hits that note over and over again. But like you said, she's good looking. And and also it's got Ryan Reynolds who, uh, man, I have a, like a very love hate relationship with Ryan Reynolds, right? With uh, sort of his persona and his one notes, but here he is—is is he the douchebag? Like, is he supp- are we supposed to hate him? Are we supposed to pity him? It's like if we sp- Yoda was a douchebag predator, sexual predator, because yeah. <laughs> it, it's actually one of the more interesting points in the film that probably is, well, I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable because someone presumably it looks like Ryan Reynolds uh, would never ever entertain the notion of being jealous of a Jesse Eisenberg. Mm. But this is a man who actually is, I think genuinely jealous of him and not in the uh, clearly the physical sense and not even that like this guy's going to, uh, you know, his cocksmanship is just going to outmatch me. He is genuinely jealous of Jesse Eisenberg because Eisenberg is like an honest, authentic character with taste that this guy has to fake being to score with like college and high school chicks. Yeah. Which is a, if you have any sort of self-awareness is incredibly depressing. And I think Reynolds plays it that way. I don't think he plays it as just the pure, um, you know, guy driven by sexual needs that's just coming to, you know, take conquest after conquest because he does have legitimate conversations with the Eisenberg character and is like trying to figure out like 
I'm Ryan Reynolds. And yet this chick is also into Jesse Eisenberg. Like That's how could you be? He is not that the, the fact that Reynolds is not just uh, trying to, uh, you know, go after these physical conquests because you see he has no interest in Lisa P. He, he acknowledges her physical mm-hmm. uh, like looks, but he doesn't chase after her. He no. is very much singularly focused on the, uh, the, uh, the um, what's her name character, uh, Kristen Stewart character. Well, and what's funny is to me is like, as I'm watching this the next time is I'm very much focused on Lisa P. Like I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> well, there's that, but me and Maynard both agreed that we, that Adventureland did us the service of telling two older guys who the hotter young girl was so that we didn't have to, <laughs> we didn't have to make those judgments ourselves. It's just part of the plot. It's just part of the world building that Lisa P is the hot one. Right. Yeah. And they do tell you that she is the, the hot one or whatever. And everybody's aghast by her, but I took it a step further. And as I'm watching this movie, I think Lisa P is also the better person, right? Like he has, okay. she's the more fleshed out character. You know, they have this conversation, this running kind of conversation about her dad being injured and they have either smoking a little weed um, and she's they're having a very open conversation. Also, Lisa P looks at him in a positive light like she's she's not toying with him. She genuinely seems to like the guy. Right. I mean, she's interested in bullsh- him. Yeah, she's interested in him. She's a great dancer. I mean, what what is not to like about Lisa P? Well, okay, I don't like the dancing uh, only in the sense that when there is a confrontation, the way it ends is she just, she just like resumes dancing with like her like fellow like fly girl at the amusement park. Like, it's love just, it. <laughs> I love that stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, you as a super fan of Chef, like dancing in the aisles, you know, yeah, um, yeah, you would. But for me, like. I can't think of anything more insulting where I'm like trying to have a serious discussion with someone. Not only do they kind of blow me off, uh, but then they just immediately start dancing like right in front of me with the, uh, you know, their, their, their backup uh, dancer. Um, but I agree with you. Lisa P is not revealed as like, Oh, she's just awful through and through. Right. No. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's clear that it's like certain, certain people like especially like as they're developing like let's go back to the topic of first love like on this one you know eisenberg it like it's also a plot point that he is um you know he's not got the the chewbacca uh the belt he has no sexual experience with anyone well he's he's constantly walking around with a raging heart on also owners are a problem for this guy a segment on projecting film actually i think that was 10 minutes of our show was uh (laughs) eisenberg's hog as we called it was the subtitle (laughs) of that episode it's everywhere i can't get get Um, away from it um i i mean in some films that even rewatch it starts to annoy me i'm like oh we're gonna go into virgin territory but i i think that there's also an honesty to his character there's a scene where kristen stewart um He's talking about like, well, I had the opportunity to like lose my virginity. And I could have, but I realized like, like on the way over to her house or like before like going on a date, that's like, um, I don't like, I don't love this girl. And actually like, basically I could never like see her talk to her and I'd be fine. And she says, and you still didn't fuck her. Like given the opportunity, you still didn't just yeah. do it just to, yeah. and he, he has like, it's actually a very hard, it's a hard sell for a, a hormonally challenged teenage boy the iceberg actually sells that moment 
with genuine like an earnest like well of course not like why would i do that like yeah. someone and it's and that's what that is difficult that's a, that yeah. a, all respect to the man for pulling that off yeah that's a it's a very the character and the right. actor that, <laughs> both <laughs> that is you're right considering his physical limitations you know what i mean one would think that he's had a hard time getting yes. anyone to set a hand on him granted he is but there's something maybe he's always had good success at getting people t- attracted to him because everywhere you go, they look at him in a physical manner. Like there's, it's a little unbelievable how like all these beautiful women look at him in a flirty way. Kristen Stewart does clearly Lisa P does. They all look at him like some sex object. Let's get personal. And even without the verbal interactions, this is my nitpick of the movie. Oh, okay. They're, they're, like no one would like this dude physically. Well, like okay. Especially like- when Ryan Reynolds is sitting right there. Yeah. Okay. So that was my, that was my letterbox review is don't don't bring Eisenberg to Ryan Reynolds fight. Like that's, you know, it just yeah, it doesn't fair. make sense. But I actually do kind of agree with the the film at this point because I remember you know, I, I talked about how jaded and cynical I was and hateful, uh hate filled as uh as a teenager with almost famous. Like I had no respect for anyone who like, you know, uh-huh. even dabbled in the gray if they weren't if they weren't pure, uh then write them off. Um I remember then being puzzled by some dudes who a lot of the, you know, my peers, the ladies were attracted to that did not fit the typical mold of, you know, what I guess society has told us, ingrained in us to have the traits of like, yeah, okay, that guy's, that guy's Russell Naaman. That guy's handsome. Like women are going to like him. Plays guitar. I get it. Ryan Reynolds. You don't have to, he doesn't have to say anything for me. Like if I just saw women just fawning over him. They don't need to. They, there's no world building needed when Ryan Reynolds enters the theme park that women will find him attractive. Yet again, the film works strangely with Eisenberg, and that I think it's just like he just is who he is, and I think some guys can just carry that. Like he doesn't have much confidence, really. Like, and that things are going to work out for him. Like he's <laughs> he's sort of like I mean he accepts the fact that this guy will just randomly come over and hit him in the nuts, and that's just his life. <laughs> I think that's the line. Like, this is just my world. This is just how this things is, will go for me. This could have been set in 2020 and yeah. it'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like that you keep pointing out the way people look at him is that he's just kind of not proudly. He doesn't deal with it like it's something to be prideful. Uh, he's just into what he's into and he doesn't really hide it. He doesn't expect people to like dig it. Like, he has a, right. a line early in the film where it's like, I, I can't go back home because uh, you know I read poetry for fun, and there's like you know no one's gonna no one's gonna be into that. Like basically, I need to yeah. Go to he says something to that effect, yeah. like reading romantic poetry for pleasure. What the fuck? But I like the character because he he's self aware enough to know. Because I think you know getting into the, like the podcasting world, one thing that you know, and one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter is I feel like people who do this shit, like you and I, th- this hobby's kind of weird. Like there's no financial motivation. Yeah, <laughs> there's no critical claim as we pile up one star reviews. You guys reading poetry for pleasure? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I think that you and I are the guy, maybe not doing that specifically, but we're aware enough to know not a lot of people are going to be into this. Like I don't have the expectation. Like I go to work, that's like, why aren't more people that I know listening to my podcast? I've actually never tried to push on people. And when people ask me, like, hey, you do podcasting? I'm actually kind of hesitant 
to be like, well, yeah, 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 but you probably wouldn't be into it. And it's like I'm already telling unless you them, have a celeb jihad account. Well, then yeah, you might, I mean, maybe I'll start selling fan. these episodes. You would be proud. The only one that I usually sell to people is sober cinema because I'm just like, if you just want to hear two old friends use a movie as a platform to tell jokes to each other, maybe you'll dig it. But it depends on the audience that's asking me. You know, I do this exact same thing. I will not like sell true romance in any sort of family setting. <laughs> 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 but any work setting that's for sure that's i think that's just like when i go online like i kind of get annoyed with like other movie podcasts where it's like the way they kind of approach film it, if it works for them that's great but like there's there's often some like lament tweets on like why why have more people not watched this film and i'm like well dude there's there's some pretty fucking obvious reasons why they've not watched this like you know, French film that's not readily available uh, to uh, an American audience here that also mm. sounds incredibly depressing. That's and too far down the rabbit hole. But yeah. That tweet is, it, you could cut and paste it. And I've seen that tweet a thousand times. It's the most unoriginal tweet. Yeah. Um, but it bothers me because it's like. Hashtag first time watchers. Well, yeah. I mean, the first time watchers <laughs> account uh, just bothers me in, in general. The only time I'm ever interested is when. You know, of Tim's many jokes is uh, when he goes back to the well in the abyss, not being on Blu-ray, only because I, I love li- that joke. <laughs> I, well, because I like the abyss. He's actually speaking to me. I'm like, I'm one oh, that yeah. gets it. I would like that. Yeah. Yes. I'm with him. Yeah. I'm with him right there. Everything else I'm not. Pretty much that's no. it. Um, but like, so if, if someone doesn't have that sort of self-awareness about separating like what makes like their shit, their shit then it it makes them kind of untrustworthy to me. I'm like, mm. oh, I don't know if I can follow them. Even if we share the same hobby and interests, you're coming at it from a totally skewed perspective from me where I understand that no one cares what Hiro and I are talking about on Marcus played. Yeah. You and I like to have these conversations. Yeah. And that's cool. That's not the point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if you if you have some other grand illusions, then it's almost like uh, you know how like dogs can like tell when there's like something off about someone? Like that it's yeah. like that that's me. I'm I'm the dog that feels like someone is getting ready to have like a meltdown, and I'm starting to like growl or like look for my owner to like settle things. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really off the beaten path there. But that's just my way of praising Eisenberg that he's aware enough that he has very peculiar peculiar sort of like hobbies and interests. Um, and it makes me believe the love with I guess the love and crush he has on Kristen Stewart is he has found his person, which is very lucky at that age. He's found someone that he can genuinely connect with. I don't yeah, understand your love for the movie. I don't understand how you have a genuine connection with the film, but and, and you know, this conversation, you know, I struggled with that question, right? Why do you love this movie so much? Right. I mean, there's a lot of fun things, you know, the Bill Hader stuff with the uh, Kristen Wiig is, is all great. I mean, it's fantastic as they always <laughs> you're, you're are. Right. More of but, a games guy and already have the application. I love, <laughs> I love the practical, like I'm not going to reach for another sheet of paper. Love the Bill Hader character. <laughs> Love it. But I think through this conversation, I've really hinged on the fact that for better or for worse, we are closer to Jesse Eisenberg than we think. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, because uh, the Ryan Reynolds character, sure, on, on paper, you know what I mean? It's like you look at the uh, the Lakers teams and stuff like mm. that, where they are assemble these mega teams on paper. They look good. But, you know, in practice, not so hot. But I want to be I, like since we're closer to Jesse Eisenberg and that, that what you're talking about, where is it's our shit. The fact that the women look at him or just people in general, look at him positively and they see through his obvious 
physical limitations, <laughs> and they see him for what he is, and they, they are attracted to it. I kind of wish the world worked that way, and I know it doesn't. It's well, sometimes it does, right? And that's kind of what makes relationships go and flow really well. But well, that's what makes it work in this film too, right? Like for the yes, it's, it's not like it works out. Everything works out for him. Like he, I mean the. The happy ending, spoiler alert, if you've not seen Adventureland, uh, I do recommend listening? it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I recommend, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere currently. As I said, I, I have the physical disc, so I didn't look, but. Uh, yeah, I'm a proud owner as well, as, as everybody I should would be. I hope that's on Stars. I would hope Stars would do us that service and uh, put it on there. But um, as, as Hiro was looking that up, you know, he, he loses his carny Oh, boy. Money. Oh, boy. Where is it? Stars. The yeah, glorious they Stars never, does it again. never let us down. Um, but he so gets the reliable. girl he gets the girl because he actually yeah. has nothing <laughs> everything he worked for that summer he loses um just in a and not a very dramatic uh sort of drunk driving accident either yeah like so low-key um and he has nothing to offer uh kristen stewart other than just being brutally honest <laughs> other than <laughs> that a he, never-ending boner <laughs> look man that's i mean Use the tools that positives. you have. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, and and while you're young, Eisenberg, just you know, just let that thing stand tall and proud. Um, we actually, what's it, what's it that the old grandpa says to uh, to to the nerdy kid in uh, Little Miss Sunshine? I don't remember this one. I'm not as well versed in uh, Little Miss oh, Sunshine. No, the, the, uh, the grandpa gives. I think it's uh, Michael Sarah's character. Is he in, in something? In I don't Little think Miss he's Sunshine? in that. Anyways, he, the grandpa's like, let me give you life advice. Fuck a lot. And, and uh, I'm, I don't mean the same person. Yeah. I mean, just mm-hmm. everyone. And don't uh, don't uh, slander the kind of threes and fours on the 10-point scale. You know, just fuck. That's what grandpa says. That is the uh, Paul Dano. That's who is. So he's there like, is. is he the the bronze medal uh, of the Eisenberg Sarah? Like, who who's the the gold medalist in this? Is it Eisenberg? Oh no! For, well, for me, it'd be Paul Dano. I think really? Paul Dano. Oh okay. Well, I think uh, Sarah's last place for sure. He's definitely last. It's place. Eisenberg though. would be number two. Can I pimp out another podcast of mine? Yeah. So we're going to do next month, uh, I mentioned, I don't think it was on this episode, but War Machine versus War Horse. Trilogy and Theory. Trilogy and Theory. I've kind of just, look, man, uh, I, I, I've not been uh, sheltering at home, so I've not had as much free time, uh, neither of you, uh, in 2020. So we have War Machine versus War Horse. We broke it apart, and it's like, hey, how about take one episode and stretch it out over a month? Sounds <laughs> God, fucking, so lazy. fucking fantastic <laughs> to me. Um we're going to do a month on Michael Sarah and that's going to come up. So I'm kind of actually using you as kind of research team here uh, okay. for that regard, because we're going to do a trilogy where Michael Sarah got the push as like a romantic lead. And you know, there, there's so a Scott Pilgrim. We're not doing Scott Pilgrim only because Whoa. only because Webb and I have actually already done an episode on that. So I listened to that one. Yeah. Um, was that on the grand I think, gesture? I can't even keep them straight anymore. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I heard something about Scott Pilgrim recently. I'm just, you have so many podcasts, anyways. Yeah, I know. Um, maybe I should just do less podcasts instead of trying to like, break them. up. I know which one to cut first. A podcast directed by. I don't even know there where you can is. find it. Who cares? Um, the dumpster bin. <laughs> but we're doing uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, uh, Paper Hearts, and Youth and Revolt. Um, Paper Heart is such a bad movie. Is that uh, Charlene Yi? Is that her sensibilities that you're reacting to there? Or just the general sort of... Uh, is that the one where they go on a trip to find her? 
Mm, it's no, like a, the fake a documentary movie. thing. It's like a This Is Spinal Tap okay, type Wrong thing. movie. Okay. Wrong movie. Um, Scott Pilgrim probably would play better in that. But that's also in that time period from like 2008 to like 2010, where it's like he was the quirky rom-com lead yeah. as Michael Cera. Mm-hmm. Listen to that next month. We've not even recorded them yet, so that probably means you'll hear it in four years if you keep up with the uh, the way Especially I do the way you release things. You know, you kind of store them in the shelf. Yep. And we're still waiting for the uh, the before trilogy podcast that we did for uh, War Machine versus War Host about seven years ago. I actually want to attach that to our wrap up show uh, on this month's trilogy in theory because that was like the that was the inspiration for me. Like, oh, I should just do movies on trilogies. That would just be easier. But I don't know if Webb will allow it because, uh, you know, he has also it's – it's a band there. You know, I'm just a bass player on that one. I have trouble with it, uh, with that podcast. I'll, I'll save it for another conversation. Uh, just tell it now. Like, I, I would love for you to, like, as I'm trying to pimp out a show to 10 listeners here, <laughs> to, to go over to that feed. <laughs> what what are the iTunes reviews that are negative here? Only one-star reviews. So my po- – so my, my, my- uh, friendly feedback is I'm listening to the podcast and I'm li- you know you guys have obviously have great banter Webb is a great person to banter with right I've talked to him I broke bread with the man uh, and I will soon hopefully when we get a vaccine around here because mm-hmm. he lives literally down the street from me yeah um, but but you won't now after this criticism I assure you no, no <laughs> he'll ostracize me he'll have me banished um, he, he, where the conversation's going conversation's going it's great I'm, I'm having a good time and suddenly boop the music comes on wait what the fuck why do so you think the show's, the show's ending? Um, I've wondered about yeah, that Yeah, like the music comes on like mid-sentence and then starts back again in a different topic. I was like, I want to see that one kind of finish it and then I'll... I'll you know, I'll relay that to him. I mean, I will admit uh, there's a lot of material left on the cutting room floor because he's, he's really going for like the... Don't relay it to him. Just tell him, hey, man, there's good, uh, there's good feedback for you on Marcus Plays. So we get the oh, download, Mike. Come you, on now. You want me to... Yeah, like go to minute whatever... <laughs> No, listen to the whole thing. So you have to suffer to get your feedback. Yeah, I've, I've wondered that too. Being behind the scenes, participating in those longer conversations, I'm kind of seeing how he's moving things around and what he's cutting and kind of you know using yeah. the music as the like, all right, let's well, time to move on. Uh, I'll relay that uh, to him. Um, you just want, you want the- a lot of. Sometimes it works. Like sometimes there's a natural stopping point, but sometimes I'm like really invested in that conversation because I'm digging. All right, look if you want the really Scott in there. box set of the episodes, we'll we'll see <laughs> the what director's we can do. cut. Yeah. <laughs> so going you know back what? to uh, to my point though, we're going to focus heavily on Sarah. They got the more populous, more palatable push then, but I, th- I think pre you know well, eventually it is right before. Um, the social network. I feel like after the social network, mm. it's like, oh, Eisenberg's the guy because the social network is like, you know, it, it's now like, you know, sort of routinely the top of like the last decade's list of films. So do you, do you agree with that? Or do you think that it's still like a toss up between two? Cause I think, I think Michael Sarah's star is uh, distinctly faded since, you know, our, our selected trilogy. I guess this is where I put my art house hero hat on. Right. And why I lean so heavy to Paul Dano. Yes, I like The Social Network. I think it's one of the great films. But, I mean, if you look at uh, at um, Paul Dano, you know, he's got, um, what's the one with uh, PTA and uh, where oh, he's the preacher? Well, there Will Be Blood, yeah. There I Will mean, Be Blood. That's a... that's a, that's a, uh, a 12 Years a Slave. Swiss Army Man is a movie I really, really yeah, like. Yeah, I don't know about that one as much, but... Uh... Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with you. There, you have there will be blood in the social network. They kind of cancel each other out, right? As far as how right. they're respected. Okay, right. 
Even Loving Mercy. You know, that's a movie that I know, I think you really dug. I did. I did really. I, I really liked him in particular. Uh, yeah. 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 His pieces are much better yeah. than than the, uh, the Fidelity guys' yeah. pieces. Yeah. You know, we're kind of running long, but I, I do still want to bring up my podcast. So just um, play and, some music over that last little bit and then just <laughs> go run it. I refuse to edit that way. <laughs> Damn it. No, because the, the the whole thing was love at first sight. These movies, and I, I noticed how you danced away from this, and you haven't brought any personal feelings to this podcast. I'll bring, I'll bring but something. I'm, I will. I'm revealing my heart to you, Michael, okay. here. Okay, um, And I'm just promoting another, all my other podcasts. <laughs> yes, that's all you're doing. Literally, we've talked about every podcast of yours. We're supposed to be bringing this indie podcast, so I'm going to do this with my heart, my okay. heart open here. And, you know, obviously, Adventureland is a movie that I fell in love with pretty quickly, and it's quickly. another movie that I remember, and it's sort of off base. Have you seen the Baz Luhrmann version of Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, I actually saw that as a... Uh, I saw that as a teenager yeah i just yeah yeah, yeah it had to be it was i was 96 uh, i believe I, w- I was in the 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 absolute pure uh marketing material demo for that one when it came oh, yeah. out um, so was i i, I, I believe I, I was it. like 18 years old when that came out 19 years old i mean something like that and I, I i so the podcast i'm talking about is the cult of matt and mark uh and they are talking about cult film cult film favorites right and this is kind of a i don't know if i would I guess it could be a cult film, right? Because it is small. But then you've got, this is the height of DiCaprio's coming out party. Like when he was the it, like teen beat boy heartthrob. But, you know, I've been wondering about this. I watched it a couple of times when it was in his theater. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm like. Couple, look at you. I know. I, I really liked it for some reason. But, you know, I got to remember that, you know, I was in my early 20s. Oh, like yeah. yeah. We're both very similar to the age of DiCaprio. Uh-huh. And, um. But when I was watching it this time, um, it really, I think it hit me a lot different. I was really fascinated with this sort of, you know, balls to the wall romance that's so popular in young men's minds. Sure. As they're soaked in testosterone. Well, and the beginning of of Romeo and Juliet, where Romeo is just, uh, uh, you know, melancholy as the ennui of love from some unrequited chick who I forget her name. What's her name? Rosalind. Yeah, do we ever see that? See Rosalind? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know if she shows up okay. in the play or not. All right. So, uh, yeah, just this, uh, you know, uh, total uh, uh, Robert Smith <laughs> thing going on with yeah, he's, uh, unrequited he's a, teenage mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they didn't have him wearing like uh, Doc Martens. Oh, yeah, and a Cure t-shirt. <laughs> and a cure. Come on. Could've that would have been pretty cool if he was wearing Could've a Cure it. t-shirt. Yeah, that seems like on. something that would happen in this movie. But sure. I, I really, I really, I, I think I, I just don't think I was paying that much attention as usual as a young man. I was sort Shocking. of dazzled by the the romance. Uh, but man, I love all the supporting characters in this. They're really there's some great performances, and you know, there's there's you know, and then they they pick a line, a couple lines from the play, and throw it in there. And I enjoyed I enjoyed the hell out of it. The, one of the hosts talks about how he like really really liked it as a young man and thinks of it, it, it it's like it's because he was such a young man it, you know he saw it multiple times in the theater um, and he had this like energetic love for this movie because of the energetic love in the movie like he like that's a young man's sort of thing to latch on to something like that and he even talks about how like this is uh he he makes a mention something about um they 
the text or the script is really a couple throwaway lines from the actual play. And I, for me, that that commentary kind of resonated because that's exactly how I view the film. I saw it multiple times in the theater. I loved it right off the bat. And how I many girls that, did you take to the theater? I took my teacher. I took so I had graduated, <laughs> but I was still in contact with one of my. Uh, mm-hmm. She wasn't the teacher. She was like the teacher's aide. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, yeah. I said, hey, we should go to the movies. Yeah, you really got to see this because we had covered Shakespeare in her class. So we Smith. went. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> and I, I I remember selling it to her as something to the effect of this is a better way to consume Shakespeare than the books, which I stand by that even now as a, as a degenerate old man with his you know subscription. Uh, but um, I – it was like head over heels for this movie. I, I thought it was just so interesting. And like, you know, Baz Luhrmann has gone on to do very similar things where he takes music and it's all like a big, giant, crazy, hectic music video. But at the time, I'd never seen anything like this. And it was just literally love at first sight. This is one of my favorite movies ever still. Um, it changes the way, I, the way I perceive it because I'm an old man now. Hmm. But even then, it was just such a like a flashpoint for me. So when you're asking me to get personal, are you saying that I haven't brought an example from my my personal history with film like that? Or, well, you know, the the whole love at first sight concept was supposed to be, you know, hey, we share these movies that we instantly fell in love with, but instead you've shared all of your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you have stuck to it with love at first sight because you're just holding up the mirror, like looking at yourself <laughs> the whole time. I I mean, I, I you know. I, I occasionally like to be, I guess, a promotional whore, um, which is weird because I think you've called me an odd duck before because I don't really even drop links <laughs> on Nothing. social media like to say, like, hey, here's something It's a Podbean link that I'm responding to <laughs> when I'm trying to get praise. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so, yeah. Um, which I'll come in over the top on the Marcus Play feed and, and make the tweet uh, most of the time you make the tweet, I, you make I, the little promotional image. You know, I, I, I like all that. Uh, cause I, I don't like to do any of that stuff myself. I, I just like to have the conversations, um, and, and then talk about other conversations that I've had in various places that you can also subscribe to. I do want to <laughs> tell you though, that as you've mentioned podcast today and during our, our, you know, this little mini season of three episodes we've done, uh, and when it's been something I've not been aware of, um, I subscribe. I immediately go and subscribe. So I'm, I'm trying to do what you know the the premise of the show is, which is mm-hmm. you know find new voices and you know hopefully consume, uh, engage with them uh, once a year, which is when I log on to Twitter and occasionally fire away a tweet, uh, and you know because I want people to act as I would like, <laughs> talk to me once and say that was great, and then keep listening, keep downloading. That's that's our relationship. That's our dynamic. As far as film goes. A first love, um, like love at first sight, that's actually harder for me uh, to not have. And it's a, a side question, maybe to you. Like, I think maybe, like, I probably would have to go back to my younger days, like you've done. Uh, I find it harder, and like, the more I got into film, I guess, as a hobby, and the more information I have at my disposal, uh, that's harder for me to going with no preconceived notions like one when you were talking right. you said I, I went to see it multiple times in theaters like i did that with it follows but it was different because i thought because chris maynard uh he, he'd sent me a screener link to it and that was before it came theatrical so i had access to it and i like sat on it much like adventureland because they told me the premise and i thought that sounds really dumb 
Like that mm. sounds like a terrible fucking idea. Like yeah, that movie has grown on me over time. Yeah, you. I think you sort of found it okay just a it. curiosity when I was making my rounds. Like when it came out, saying I I was taking friends to it. Uh, yeah, and I think you just said this. Sort of, you were part of the PR tour at the were, time. Yeah, this sort of like bemused, like smirk on her face. Like I'm glad you <laughs> like it, but maybe it's a little much. Like I don't quite understand it. I guess maybe like how I had treated you with Adventureland, like where I'm just like I still don't really understand why you like it so much. But like you, I like Adventureland. I like the film, so it's not not totally out there. So I'm trying to think of a time when. Because I feel like now when I fall for films, it's more like they prove me wrong in some way. Like that's an example where it's like it catches me so off guard. Either it's a filmmaker that maybe I've not liked their stuff before and I feel like there's like a sense of discovery yeah. there. But mm-hmm. like that that just like that instant connection to something where I didn't really have anything like one that's really I mean, the easy ones are like pulp fiction and things well, like that. Well, here's a dumb one. Formative. Here's one that you won't like. Um the when I was around the same time period, because I was like, I think probably 12 when it came out, it was the cable guy. Uh, but also, like it follows, I wasn't like a Jim Carrey fan. Like Ace Ventura, like now Ace Ventura, like it comes out with like I'm like also like, you know, 12 years old. I thought all the other kids I'm going to school with, them like quoting it and repeating it. I hated it. Mm. I fucking hated that. Like side unseen, I hated the movie. I never really became the world's biggest Ace Ventura fan because of the, the toilet. Right. But the cable guy, yet again. So I guess even going back to before I was a teenager, I was looking to be proved wrong. <laughs> like justify yourself to me, <laughs> Jim Carrey, which is not the ideal way to go into a relationship, I guess. I guess that's not love at first sight. But what's yeah, wrong with the it, cable guy? You like grimaced when I said that. I haven't seen it since the first time I saw it many, many years ago because I caught caught up in that Jim Carrey sort of sweep that, you know, the mask, the cable guy. So you're uh, one of those kids I hated in school. Ace Ventura. No, I wasn't. I, I, I was a little older. You know, I was probably 17, 18. And I just didn't, I didn't latch on to him. But I, I mean, I went to see him. I was like, I thought it was pretty funny, but I didn't like. I didn't worship the ground that he walked on because I'm not a slapstick guy and he is the king of slapstick. He's just all body movement and all whatever, you know, but I haven't watched cable guy and just <laughs> such an unlikable dude. Uh, I, I mean the, the through line you here gravitate to these, uh, these anti-hero <laughs> anti fucking villainous people picking on smaller people. Cause him just picking on Matthew Broderick for two hours, to me, he feels justified. He feels vindicated. That's oh, I, feel, I feel for you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't often have that. Like with the romances. Here's a here's a pick that I've not seen in many years. Uh, which maybe you would like as a as a father. There was a film in late '98 called uh, A Cool Dry Place with Vince Vaughn that got Ooh. no no release, and I think. I think for a long time, like I couldn't even like find a copy of it or the DVD was expensive. I can't remember because I wanted to do a podcast on it one day and the, my co-host was like, dude, I'm not going to like try to chase this down. Like, yeah, we're not doing that. So I never did. It was one I remember putting on in my video store days and it is about a young father, um, who's like in the middle of nowhere. Like it's a very small story, like Adventureland. I actually thought about it a lot. Like, Hey, I should check that out again. Um, did not develop any sort of cult classic, but it was one that sort of caught me off guard. And I like you with Adventureland. I don't know why I still hold it in such high regard. I don't know why as a teenager, I cared that much about this single father in the middle of nowhere, uh, where it's not very plot driven movie. It's just sort of this like character study of this father and son. Uh, and I really dug it. 
but I, I wish I had uh, actually watched the film to maybe speak on it more. Uh, maybe we should just do that if you can, you know, if you can find a copy of it. Um, maybe we should do that for an episode. Uh, but it it what fits. Is that what you're bringing to the? I didn't have anything planned uh, coming into today because I, I figured we'd just you know when we get to the end we'll be like okay we need to. It is uh, streaming on HBO for free. Wow. All right. So now now it's a I guess like a made guy if you can actually get on. I guess HBO Max was just trying to buy up as much content as possible if a cool dry place is on HBO. But yeah, you know what? That's that's gonna be my selection. And I, as I'm looking at this movie, I'm very intrigued by it because it's got three actors. I guess Vince Vaughn has gone on to a little bit of success. I mean, he's kind of almost on the cusp of it, like of big, big success. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a famous guy, but he's not like, he's not Brad Pitt or nothing like that. But even now, but you got not known for his dramatic work. It's just going to be right. comedy. He tried it. Yeah. He tried it. But you've got Monica Potter, Potter and Joy Lauren Adams here, who are like the two almost made it mm-hmm. sort of actresses of the 90s. I, I'm interested. What's the theme going to be? Like, what do you, what do you, how are we, what are we doing here? I, I think the theme uh, will be like we'll we'll continue a little bit off of Adventureland, but we'll go with my negative bent of uh, movies we love, but we can't explain why. Because I've not rewatched this in years mm. and years. But even okay. then, I, if I was telling you know a fellow teenager at the time, they'd be like, "What are you watching? A cold, dry place?" I would never. It's like my podcast. Other than people who are listening, Marcus played. I would never try to push it because I, I don't know what the selling point would be. I don't know how I would like you, you want me to reveal yeah. myself. So what we'll do is I will try to, you know, I'll try to dig a little deeper and not just promote my other ventures and uh, try. I'll try to figure out myself why I like this when I was sixteen years old and why I'm so excited to now own a digital copy of it. I think I have the DVD as well, but oh boy, um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it because. I, I I'm gonna have to like find one of those. I guess it's 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 a podcast version of that that tweet that we just talked about that we hate. You know, from the third time watchers, right? Is t- not enough people are watching this. But, oh, but we're not I being, love this ironically. But we're not being combative about it because we can't. I can't even explain no. it myself why yeah. what it is that I connect with. But it is sort of a version of that. Like, why do I love this thing that I shouldn't love? Yeah, or that I don't understand. I can't put my finger on it. Okay, cool. All right. I will try to get more personal next week. So this is the, yeah. you know, the, the only thing we're doing here is we're hoping that we have this like season long, like mythology that people like feel the need to figure out what happens next. I don't know if it's working for us, but uh, we're, we're still going to run with one that. star reviews. Uh, tell a, tell a interesting well, story uh, next. Maybe next week we make a pack that we just, you know, we stay away from ass talk or our uh, pornography banners that we're going to run any of that. Can we, can we do it one week? Can we can we give some some hope to these podcasts that we're trying to promote? It's Monica Potter and Joy Lauren Adams, man. How <laughs> are you going to expect yourself, me to huh? restrain myself? Okay, all right, we tried. We'll, we'll I'll try. How about that? Like, yeah, I'll try. But it's going to be a hard one. <laughs> like, couldn't you've done it with like a like a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie where he's just there by himself? Like, a bunch what do you of want me to do? Like, before the devil knows you're dead, where it's like him just That's pounding away on Marissa Tomei, like opening shot. It's just his flabby butt cheeks, like. Well, you can't give you the two like, like two of the top five hottest '90s gals of all time. I'm sending you something right now. This is <laughs> off <laughs> mic. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Marcus Blade. <laughs> yep, gotta go. <laughs> oh shit.